you want to mess with the kid? And you guys, eh? How about you people out there, you want to mess with the kid? Bienvenidos empacadores sin fronteras, dos papás dedicados al amor, la risa y los empacadores de Green Bay. Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. Two dads talking love, life, dedicated to the Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Verde y amarillo hasta la muerte. I love it when a plan comes together. All right. I'm going to start <laughs> off with this, buddy, because uh, Jay Bynum, shout out, buddy, uh, texted me and he's like, how high was Matt on Wednesday? I would say just high. Enough. Enough. <laughs> I'm a little bit now. I'm a little bit now. Yeah. Start the morning. It's Saturday. It's the long weekend up here. So it's Thanksgiving, right? I'm not sure exactly what Canadians are celebrating with Thanksgiving. I think it's honestly because of the amount of farmers, right? And, and you saw it when you were up here. It's just farm after farm after farm after farm, right? It's just nothing but farm. So with the amount of farmers, we have daylight savings, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you live in the city, your property taxes are due like April 1st. If you live in the country, they're due November 1st because that's when the harvest comes yeah, in the and harvest. that's when they get paid, right? So there's a lot of things that kind of go around the harvest. And I think that's what Thanksgiving is up here in Canada is it's more celebrating the harvest in your family and stuff. I know in the States, it's more about, you know, Slavery. showing showing the world genocide and <laughs> let's get into that hey enjoy your turkey you freaking jerks <laughs> deal with daylight savings Trash. Yeah. yeah i'll tell you what the deal is they like to fuck with your equilibrium twice a year like oh. i get it i understand the concept behind it and and it, like you were up here, right? Like the first comment that you guys said is, is the sun is way different up here and that it's up at bloody five in the morning and it's down at like midnight, right? It's 1130 at night, dude, we were driving home and it felt like noon. It's like, what? The <laughs> it wasn't like, noon. <laughs> it, was, it was light out. Yes. But see, now we get the opposite, right? Now the sun's not up until about 830 in the morning. And now by six o'clock at night, it's, it's blackout. Now, when we get to January, the sun won't be up until like nine. So the kids go to school in the dark and then the sun's down by like 435 and the kids are coming home in the dark. So, wow. Yeah, it's 
there, there's a lot, a lot of talk about depression in, uh, you know, in Canada because of the sun and whatnot. I thought it was because of the gas prices, the depression. But apparently, it has to do with the. Yeah, you were complaining. That's put twenty bucks in. I'm like, dude, that's half the price. Literally half. Right now, we're paying eight bucks a gallon. Yeah, that's California and a lot of the other states. You know, Texas, you're big petroleum state, so we don't have to travel. We actually, this is what's garbage about El Paso with gas prices, right? So we have a refinery, a big gas refinery here in El Paso. Yeah. So we refine the gas, but this is what they do. They pump it, we refine it, they send it to Houston and then ship it back to us as opposed to just keeping it fucking here and selling it without all the fucking logistical costs. And that's why gas is like more, like you go to the east side of Texas and gas is like a buck cheaper anywhere oh, even yeah. in the big cities. If, like, what the if, fuck? if you go to Alberta because of the amount of oil that they have there, there's no sales tax, right? Like there's no, there, there's, there's a lot of taxes that are just eliminated because of the amount of oil they export. The rest of the country says, well, how come our gas prices are higher? Are we paying for that fact that they don't put in the gas, the taxes and all the politicians are like sh shifty eyes, like, oh, they're on to us. They're on to us. Boys, quick, hurry, <laughs> run, <laughs> throw some distraction. <laughs> Speaking of shifty eyes and distractions, there is the worst game in NFL history, buddy. Oh, oh I don't even want to call it a game because that insults the, 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 the term game. That wasn't a game. That was a complete and utter shit show. That was, have you ever gone, okay, up here we call it Timbit soccer, and it's like for the four-year-olds right and the ball it's just a big clump of kids and everybody's yeah. kicking each other and the ball just kind of sits in one corner and then it squirts out to the other corner and all the kids run over to the other corner yep. and then it just stays there and the score That's is crazy. like yeah the score is like nothing nothing what'd you guys win by it was one nothing somebody accidentally kicked it in their own goal like it was one of those i can't believe i'm watching this <sighs> so matt ryan only sees half a field and the bottom half, just yeah, down by his shoes. Just <laughs> how many jump passes did he have to do with it? Was just ridiculous. Matt Ryan is looking a lot like uh Ben Roethlisberger did in his last season, where he's just he's toast. Like, what are you doing? And he duped an owner into convincing him. I mean, they got rid of Carson Wentz for this. They were they were pretty good. They were pretty good and you could tell that Carson Wentz wasn't quite the answer, but at the same time you thought to yourself, you know, if they tailored the offense a little bit more towards what they have and this is one of the biggest problems that NFL teams have is they go this is the type of team we're running, but you don't have the personnel for that. So you need to tailor your offensive and defensive plans and you, the identity essentially of the team around your players. And they're not doing that. And poor Matt Ryan is out there just getting, getting destroyed and defending his left tackle, rookie left tackle, like trying to pump him up. Like he's doing the right veteran thing. But, you know, I never thought the Colts would be this terrible. And I no. think at the beginning of the year, I thought Russell Wilson going to Denver with that defense, all he's got to do is put up 14, 15 points. In and every game is over. I thought they would be coming up. I don't think they make the playoffs this year. Oh, I thought they were going to make the playoffs. I don't think they make the playoffs. Well, it's trash division again, right? Like every, every, the parody in the NFL is everybody's mediocre. And then you have a little bit of cream at the top. Oh, yeah. I am the cream. Let me see it again. Let me see it all out. 
<laughs> you know, this is two teams, and, and this happened quite a bit, right? With all the movement of quarterbacks across the NFL, it's these teams that think similar to the Bears, similar to the Vikings. Now you're looking at the AFC, all this talent kind of moving, saying all we need is a quarterback, the team is good. No, like this is showing that you need to draft and develop. You need to keep your players and you need to keep them within the system. And I hate Pete Carroll, but I'm going to give that dude props because he understood what Russell Wilson was and he flourished in the system. Now that he's out of that system, the dude, look, no wonder they ran the ball 35 times and let him pass only 13 or 14 or 20 times a game. He's right? terrible. He's terrible. He's not a passer. He could throw a pretty ball occasionally, but he, he's not – your typical prototypical stand in the pocket quarterback passer or anything like that. Right. We talked about, uh, you know, different guys. I think Tim Tebow had better success in Denver. What about the Denver? What about John Elway hiring the ex Packer coach as the head coach? This goes back to remember when I said, you know, some coaches are really good coordinators and they're not head coaches. I mean, mm -hmm. Hackett, all he had to do was just run the ball, just run the ball. My uh, Richard Sherman said it best run the ball. Just run the ball. Dude, it was so, flashbacks for Sherman. Poor guy, man. He right? Was just, oh, my God. Like, in that broadcast at the end, his face was just like, what the You know, when Wade Phillips comes on social media, when he awakes from his crypt, and, and they, they, they have to defibrillate his heart so that he can use his iPhone, and he tweets out, maybe teams should consider punting on first down. I mean, <laughs> That tells you everything you need to know about this game. I mean, the best part is, is like Jeff Bezos, when you did the math, Jeff Bezos paid $78 million for that game. $78 million. The last time he was ripped off that bad is when Trump took him to Epstein Island. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> right. The only gleam I'm taking out of this game is again, the NFL is top heavy. Right. And we're in week four and we know what teams are at this point. You know what the defense is. Teams aren't going to improve much more than where they are now. So you're looking in our own division, um, a Lions team that is number one in offense and dead last in defense, allowing 35 points or scoring 35 points and allowing 35.3 points. Um, yeah. Why they're not going to win very many games. I was expecting this defense, like you said, when we were talking a little bit it's earlier. Early. It's early. It's early. We're only four games in. We're four games in. They could easily win eight straight. They could. Teams do that all the time. The Packers did it last year. They lost the first game of the year, won eight straight. Yep. Our issue, and I want to dive into this because I started looking at this team, not concerned about the offense as much as I am the defense, and that was supposed to be our bread and butter. And yeah. I pulled up these stats and we're going to go through this and you are going to put your eyeballs on my numbers and tell me how we fix this rush. Defense. I'm going to put my what on your what? your eyeballs on my balls oh okay oh sponsored by manscaped <laughs> freshly shaved you won't get any pubes in your eyes dude don't worry oh man i've got to hit that i gotta hit that weed whacker again <laughs> <laughs> obviously number one run defense grade and we know this is rashawn gary the guy yeah. is playing on another level at every level he's breaking he's breaking the sack record this year he's breaking the sack record this year if he doesn't break the sack record this year, you won't okay, shave. I will shave if I will shave my head. Okay. Jeremy, write that down. I will shave my head if he does not break the sack record this year. I don't think I want to see you without hair, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. 
Number four right here and is a good sign with Amos not suiting up this weekend is Rudy Ford, second highest graded uh, run defense and tackling grade on the team. So the dude is doing what he needs to do. I think in looking at this, when you look at the top five and even the top 10 um, run defense grades, you're looking at Rashawn Gary, number one, Rudy Ford, back end player, number two, Keyshawn Nixon, back end player, number three. Then you've got Jerron Reed and then Adrian Amos, who, Got concussed because he was coming down and making a tackle. Now, now, quickly, did Amos yeah. go to London? Is no. he with the team? Yeah. So, so remember, I talked about that. Twelve hours on that plane with that pressure is not. It's not good for your melon. So he might be a little bit more concussed than we think. Yep, but Jair is back, and Kenny Clark ironically is not doing very well in run defense. A lot of it obviously has to do that he's double teamed every single time, every single play. Guys, triple team sometimes. Top five, right? So let, let's start. And Kenny Clark, six. Preston, seven. Jair, eight. Chris yeah. Barnes, nine. Dean Lowry, 10. Devondre Campbell, all the way down to 11, man. Yeah. Savage, Wyatt, Anikbar, Slayton McDuffie. Razul Douglas is down at a 37.7. Kawhi Walker's down at a 37. Eric Stokes at a 37. And Jonathan Garvin, 28.6. So, I mean, it, it's not good, right? No. Like, it's top heavy, just like everything else. You've got the top five guys with at least a 65 or higher grade, but explain to me why this defense has their top run defense players. Three of the top five run defense players are DBs and safeties. Why? Oh, well, it's this simple. Um, I'm not sure if I've talked about this before. I may have occasionally tweeted this. I might've tweeted this out once. So when you put two D linemen uh, on the uh, line, you can't stop the run. Okay. And the reason why you can't stop the run, and I'm going to touch on, you know, your good buddy, your good buddy on uh, Twitter, uh, Mr. Uh, Bukaki. He once told me that I, I, I was being ridiculous when I made the statement and your stats prove my statement. And if you watch the game, that proves my statement. When you put two fat guys on the line and Gary and Preston are not fat guys. They are edge rushers. They run around the outside. Sometimes yes, sometimes they run a stunt, but their primary objective is contained. Those two fat guys in the middle are being pushed and shoved by four fat guys. So that means that as soon as they make a block, as soon as they push Kenny Clark just enough, the center can let go. Let's say, let's say they're going to run a gap right up the middle and there's Kenny Clark right over the center and over the uh, right guard is Jerron Reed. Reed. Yeah. Two, two names. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's because of these two guys. I'm saying it's because these two guys are now facing five guys plus a fullback and or tight end. So two against six or seven, it doesn't make any fucking sense. So as soon as they shove Kenny over to the left, just a little bit with the center and the left guard, they both grab him. They give him just a little bit of a shove. The center lets go. And now you have Quay Walker trying to block a center. Now you have Campbell getting blocked by a center. You've also got the right guard who gives him just a little bit of a shove onto John Reed, a little bit of a shove over to the right. Let's go. The right tackle gets in there. He gets caught up in the wash. Bam. Now you've got a guard coming out too. And you get a fullback or tight end who's leading the way. So now you've got two big fat men and a big tight end blowing through the hole at full speed. And there's Campbell. There's Walker. 
Like it, the numbers alone, this is this is basic math here. A 300-pound guy is going to overwhelm a 200-pound guy. It's, it's, it's that simple. I may not be able to – let me put it to you this way, Bruce. I may not be able to run faster than you, but I can defend the fridge better than you. Yeah. <laughs> right? Now, I may not be able to jump as high as you, but I can stand in front of my fridge and protect it better than you simply because of mass, right? Yeah. You're going to yeah. have to do a lot more. Look at look at Gary. Yes, Gary does bull rush well, occasionally. If you've got good beer in the his, fridge, I'm definitely yeah. going to beat you. But you look at Gary, <laughs> no, right? You. They got to put him on twists and stuff. A, a, a corner doesn't try and break through the defensive line. He goes around or, or through the offensive line. He goes around the offensive line, right? He, they, they, they get an end on him and he goes around the big guys. When you've got the big guys running up into the second level untouched. So now they've taken five or six steps and these offensive linemen are athletic fucking dudes. These aren't, you know, just big fat guys. These guys are running probably faster than I can run right now. And they're a hundred pounds heavier than I am. And they're running full speed at camp. Like what are Campbell, if you watch a lot of the runs this weekend, you're going to watch a lot of our DBs and stuff, and they're going low on these guys because they just can't. They just can't. So why are we leading the NFL in pressures with this same scheme then, if they're getting gobbled because, up? Because, okay, the NFL is – football is fantastic, okay? If you spend a lot of money on your offense, you're going to have a great offense, terrible defense. You spend a lot of money on your defense, you're going to have a great defense. There's this whole – the scales, scales of justice. So if you're really good in run defense, you're not going to be very good in pass defense. If, if you switch the other way around, we're fantastic in pass defense. We're fantastic in pass defense. 189 yards a game. We're fantastic in it. And it's because when the quarterback has to drop back, yes, we have two D line. We've got speed on the line and, the, and speed kills. But when the quarterback looks up and sees that there are three, two D linemen, Every single time and watch, watch the game with your eyes. I'm not making this shit up. Watch it with your eyes. Quarterback, they get out, they huddle, break. They start to come up to the line. They see two fat men get their hands in the line and the quarterback immediately kill, 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 kill. And he's like, yeah, we're running this son of a bitch right up the gut. And they, that's exactly what they do. Look at the Niners. The Niners run a similar offense that we do. And they run a similar defense that they, that we do, except the Niners have put four fat guys on the line and stopped the fucking run all day. If we are getting gashed and against the Patriots, we were getting gashed against the bears. We were getting gashed. I like these teams are gashing us on the run. If we're getting gashed and the score is tight, I want to see Clark, Wyatt, Reed and Slayton out there. I want to see four fat guys on the line. Show me, especially with Daniel Jones, with no wide receivers, this should be an easy peasy. We're going to go to a 4-3 or, or even a 4-2. We'll put four fat guys on the line. Maybe Gary will move them left, right, left, right, back and forth. We put Campbell in the middle. Or we go 4-3 and we still – I want to see more fat guys on the line. When you have more fat guys on the line, they can't run the ball. They have to do these outside schemes and stuff, and you're not going to get a guard to pull and run 25 yards before the corner can get there. You know, and another thing, just again, because I did, I try to find stuff and all, everything you're saying is exactly lining up with everything that I found. For example, in the really? off, 
Well, in the office. I'm not surprised. You remember. <laughs> well, it's pretty obvious to everybody except the coaching staff. I guess. In this offseason, you remember um, Matt LaFleur and Joe Barry showing a lot of Rashawn Gary playing inside. And I don't recall seeing that absolutely once this entire season. So what they were doing in the offseason is not translated into the regular season. And they were playing four down linemen. They were bringing Gary inside, Campbell outside. Walker still wasn't kind of, you know, they were trying to feel that out. But they were bringing Gary inside. They're not doing that. Would that help at this point, getting Gary in the inside as opposed to on the outside and having Wyatt attack the quarterback, Preston attack the quarterback, Devondre covering, and then having Rashawn rush up the middle? This is what I would do. This is what I would do. I would start in your 3-4 like we basically do, right? So we got Preston. We got, uh, let's say, uh, Clark, Slayton, Wyatt, and then we've got uh, Gary up on the line. Okay. And then you got Campbell and Walker back there. I would start like that. If they're running the ball on us, I would take, I would take Preston out and I'd put in another fat guy. And if okay. they continue to run the ball on us, I would take Walker out and I would put another big body in there. I would keep jamming big bodies in there until they couldn't do it anymore. Put them in a, put them in a cover one, make it so that it's like, listen, Daniel Jones, you've just got to beat our best corners and that's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. And they're not going to do that. The Giants are going to run this rock. And notoriously, we are horrible at the run defense. So if I was Barry, I would put three guys on the line. And the moment they ripped off one for 10, I'd change it to four. And I would let that offensive coordinator know everything in your hands just turned to shit. Adjust. And the part of that, right, with the adjustments like that is – they keep putting our linebackers in nowhere land. Like they're not deep. That's why Justin Jefferson destroyed us. That's how they got that touchdown last week on us in, in the last waning moments of the game because those 18, what, 15 to 20 yard passes are wide open because the linebackers are in nowhere land. But yeah. isn't that the mic? I mean, isn't that Devontae Campbell looking around and adjusting? Can't he do that? The problem is, is, it, and it's tough for linebackers because linebackers first, the first thing they do is they look for the run. That's the first thing that you're taught years and years and years is the very first step is, is, is it a run, right? Cause you're a linebacker. And then the second thing is, is when you get in your zone, the longer the play continues, the deeper in your zone, you must get, these are like, these are like your, your, you know, your, your 10 commandments. Like the boxes. Yeah, like you, these are the two things you need to do when you're playing linebacker. You need to check the run. Very first thing you do is make sure it's not a run handoff, quarterback, bootleg, whatever, because that's your main responsibility. And then your second responsibility is, is if I'm playing zone, I continue to get deep into my zone as long as the play continues. And we're not doing that. The guys are going, okay, I have to get to about 12 yards deep. They get to 12 yards and they stop and the play is still continuing and now the corners are drifting, 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 like they're told. Mm -hmm. Deeper, 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 deeper in your zone. And now we're creating this huge gap. And if you watch San Francisco 49ers run an offense that does that an awful lot, where they'll put in some extra blockers and they'll let that play develop to the almost four-second mark. And then there's this huge gap between the linebackers and the corners and the safeties. And that's where the wide receiver sits and he gets a 17, 18 yard co uh, completion. And the only guy he's got to beat is a safety. I mean, this is pretty easy for guys like Debo and for, you know, guys like Justin Jefferson, right? 
I would love to ask Devondre Campbell that question and say, hey, man, like, what is it that you're thinking? What is it that you're seeing that's not having you? If this is a staple of what a linebacker is supposed to do, what is it that Joe Barry is doing in his defense that's keep preventing you from doing something that is obviously so basic? It's the uh, cover two umbrella zones. That's what it is. It's the cover two umbrella zones. I understand you're playing analytics. I understand that you're doing this and that. What we need to do is, and I'm hoping this is what's going to happen, because if you look at the trend of our defense last year, our defense did something it shouldn't be doing, shouldn't be doing, and then it started to do it halfway through the year where we did it, we did it, we did it, we started getting better. And if you look at that 49ers game, I mean, basically we controlled the entire freaking game, right? Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that Barry is like, listen, we need to beat the Vikings the last game of the year more than we need to beat them the first game of the year. I'm going to run zone. They're going to get comfortable. Next next game, we're going to go a lot more man and break it up, and they're going to be fucked, and we're going to win when we need to. So I'm hoping that's what he's what he's thinking. Do I think he's that smart? No, not at all. And I can tell you because he puts two D linemen in goal line defense. They have to step one step forward for a touchdown, and you're only going to put two fat guys? You should take out anybody under the weight of 200 pounds and put in a fat guy when you're on the goal line. We used to, you know what we did when we were on the goal line? Uh, this was my play. We called it Armageddon, okay? Everybody blitzed except the safety. The safety just stood in the middle of the red zone, mm -hmm. right? And just like, well, he's got to do something crazy to beat us, right? And we'd get on the goal line and I would pull out a couple of DBs and I'd pull out a linebacker and I'd throw in three fat guys right over the A gap. And I'd be like, good luck. Good luck. You've got to run the ball. If you pick pass, you're going to beat me. But if you pick run, you're fucking doomed. And 90% of the time, we doomed them. Yep. And I found a stat for you that that correlates to exactly what you're talking about. So the analytics minds and the stat guys understand that what you're saying has some validity from an analytic standpoint. So average, <laughs> average depth of target of tackle yeah. for these players. So what is the average depth when they're making a tackle on a run play? Are you ready? Seven yards. Darnell Savage, 16.2 yards down the field. He's oh average. yeah. Oh yeah. No, he shouldn't, he shouldn't, he shouldn't be making plays on run plays. Rudy Ford, 11, yeah. right? Jair Alexander, 7.4. Adrian Amos, 7.3. These are the guys when you have guys that come up to the line and tackle. Yeah. But now we start getting into our linebackers. Quay Walker is at six yards before he's... Yeah, yeah, because he's been blocked <laughs> once. Because he's been blocked once by a 350-pound... Yeah. You have to shed off of that, and you're going backwards, and you're having to shed that guy Come off on, to make... Man. you imagine Trent Brown running at you full speed, and you... Oh, just shed it, Bruce. Just shed it. I would shed my pants. I would shed... <laughs> shed the bed. Right? Devondre Campbell, 5.6. Rizul Douglas oh. is at 5. And then you start getting into Enigbar, Wyatt, and Preston at four yards oh. deep, the only person making a tackle near the line of scrimmage, Lowry. Consider, it is Dean Lowry, Lowry. Yeah. Rashawn Gary at 1.4. Ironically, the guys with the two highest, you know, from a lineman standpoint, tackling grades. Ironically. These guys, these guys, there's been a bunch of guys on social media and I'm not going to call out individual names, but y'all are talking trash about Dean Lowry. 
and you're saying, oh, Dean Lowry is getting blown up. If you watch those plays, Dean Lowry is in the middle of a double team. Dean Lowry is not a guy that can be double teamed. He has to, he can only win one-on-one. He is a, he is a substitute player. He goes in there not to take the double team, but to hopefully go one-on-one. And when he gets blown up, there's two guys on him. So you can't fault Dean Lowry. And in fact, if Dean is taking up two guys, if, the deep if the offense needs to put two guys on Dean Lowry, we are freaking killing them. Okay, we're killing them. If you think you got to put two guys on Lowry, Lowry, when he's one on one, he beats his guy. He mm-hmm. not only does he beat his guy, but he makes the tackle in the backfield and he's almost had the quarterback a whack of times this year. Circle mm-hmm. Dean Lowry and you watch when he gets blown up, there's two fat guys on Dean and poor Dean. He's not a good enough player to beat that. But mm-hmm. when it's one-on-one Dean can beat you. Yeah. And lunchbox guy, right? Yeah, man. Blue collar. I love Dean Lowry. I love me some Dean Lowry. Stop the Dean Lowry slander guys. You got to You got these guys are, are being put in position. And I know you say, Oh, well, it's up to the player to uh, accept. No, listen, listen the defensive coordinator can put these players in better positions to succeed. And that's what the coach's whole purpose is. That's the whole reason he's there. It's the whole idea and invention of the coach is to put these players in specific spots where they all succeed. That's the idea. And you You play to win the game and you move over to the coverage (laughs) side of it. Right. So let's talk about pass coverage with same players, obviously, but well, Dean Lowry is terrible at pass coverage. <laughs> he shouldn't be covering anyone. He, he shouldn't be not, covering everyone. <laughs> he has not covered absolutely anybody. So coverage grades, number one, Razul Douglas, 15 tackles that he's had to make already through four weeks. Yeah. Number two on that list in coverage, who do you think has Eric made Stokes. No. Oh, Jair. No. Ford, Amos. Nope, nope. Who? Devondre Campbell, dude. Campbell in coverage. Oh, yeah. Maybe on the running backs and the tight ends, right? Okay. I okay. guess that's what it is, right? Side to yeah. side, they do have yeah. a lot of dump offs in that because next after that is Quai Walker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Defensive rookie of the year, Quay Walker. Yep. Okay. So, and then you start getting into Eric Stokes, Keyshawn, Savage, Amos, Alexander, Ford, and then you get down into Enig Barr, and then McDuffie, Barnes, Jamar Jean Charles, and Preston Smith have not made any tackles in coverage. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Just just fix the defense. Just understand that you load the box, right? And like you said, cover one. Make Daniel Jones, who's hobbled and might not even play, or a rookie, whoever it is that they're going to throw back there, and make him try to throw against Jair Alexander, who I hope they fucking man up at least 25% of the time on whoever, whether it's Tony, which is probably not going to play. Who? I, I, who uh, what? Galloway, who's a no, fucking he's not coach. playing. I mean, yeah. dude, it's they have nobody. Yeah. Stack the put twelve people on the fucking line and get a penalty. Zappy, Zappy showed up. Zappy showed up, and I'll tell you one one time we were playing a team, and they had a a great quarterback, and they had some mediocre receivers, but their quarterback he was fantastic. And on the very first play of the game. I called a corner blitz. Just one corner comes right off the edge. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that corner laid him out, laid him out. And they, they had to bring in their backup quarterback. 
and I was drooling at the mouth as I was like, he's about to see every single blitz, throw out all non-blitzing plays. He's going to see every single blitz known to man. I'm going to... Like I, I even brought out my Sharpie and I was drawing on the, on the, on the fucking whiteboard. I want to see this. I want to bring this in like this double safety blitzes. I mean, I was just bringing it from everywhere. And we lit this kid up like a $2 pinball pinball machine. Fucking Zappy comes in and Barry goes, let's put two D linemen on there and let him uh, run the ball all day long. As what? terrible as the Colts and the Broncos were, it was because what did they do? These quarterbacks can't throw. So what we're going to do is throw every single thing, including the kitchen sink at these guys. And what did they, I mean, what was it like 18 sacks? I'm assuming. Yeah. 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 <laughs> fumbles. Yeah. They still, I think, I think an hour ago they sacked Ryan again still. Yeah. He, he was just walking <laughs> to his car and got sacked. Hey honey, I'll be right back. <laughs> Listen, what are your, what are your predictions? What are your predictions? What's the score? What's the score? 27, 13 Packers. 2713. I don't think we get to 27. I think this is going to be see we're favored by six and a half points. So I think this is going to be 2321 Green Bay. I'm going to call my shot for the fourth week in a row. And one of these 17 weeks, I'm going to be right. There's going to be a defensive score, whether it's a fumble scoop score to get us. If not, it's going to be 2113. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be slow scoring. Listen, we got uh, Dr. Deepak, Dr. Pak. He's uh, up after the break here, giving you your uh, injury reports for uh, fantasy football. We'll be right back. Brussels in Belgium, Central Illinois, LA, California, Nova Scotia, Las Vegas, Nevada, Northern Wisconsin, Sweden, Sheffield, we're in Michigan, Louisville, Kentucky, Seattle, Chita, Kansas, from the UK, Chicago, Illinois, Ranger, Indiana, from Melbourne, Australia, Omaha, Nebraska, Cincinnati, from Ohio, Nebraska, San Diego, from Willow Springs, Illinois, California, Nebraska, from Northern Michigan, Austin, Texas, California, LA, California, Turkey, Kansas City, Indianapolis, Indiana, Southern Cali. You are listening to Packers Without Borders, the finest podcast in all the land. People move into this groove up through the night. Take a flight to Paris to a show what's below in the spotlight. Thank you for listening to Packers Without Borders. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. Also, you can find our merch on PackersWithoutBorders.myshopify.com and tea public if you want cups, mugs, and those types of things. You can also visit us on patreon.com front slash Packers Without Borders and give us some money. And audibletrial.com front slash Packers Without Borders. Give them a click, check them out, try that 30-day free trial with them, and enjoy your books. You can also use coupon code DOSPAPAS for all your Manscaped products. Peace, and go Pack Go! <laughs> you need to. Hey, ho! Oh! Love it.
Packers Without Borders. Guys, tune in. Great show. It's not just about football. Like Welcome back and thanks for joining. I am Deepak Chona with SportsMed Analytics. Hit us up on Instagram at SportsMed Analytics and Twitter at SportMD Analysis. Tons to talk about today, so we will dive right in with your Saturday morning injury report before week five. Starting with CD Lamb. A midweek addition to the injury report is far from ideal, but Lamb does look very likely to play. He has a mild groin strain that causes about a 10% performance dip. The more concerning aspect is really the about 20% rate of worsening the injury. We're not expecting any major limitations from Lamb, but the injury in addition to the matchup against Jalen Ramsey is going to have me avoiding him for DFS this week. Next up, Tyree Kill. Now he could still go either way, but we would lean towards Hill playing. The average quad strain comes with a temporary performance dip, usually around 20%, but based on his return to practice timeline, this one does sound like it's on the milder end of the spectrum. As a season-long Hill owner, I'm still planning to play him, but I would probably be looking elsewhere in DFS this week. Next up, Jalen Waddle. He's been battling a mild groin strain as well, similar to C.D. Lamb. The Sportsman Analytics project him likely playing at about 85% capacity. That re-injury rate for him is near 20%. Again, the season-long owners, Dolphins fans, gotta keep your fingers crossed that he avoids that outcome. And he's still a true game time decision, but he was dealing with this last week too, and we would lean towards him playing again in week five. Next up, Michael Thomas, a little less optimistic on the outlook here. Turf toe averages three to four weeks for wide receivers. The Saints haven't really given us any indication of severity yet, but one, the fact that he hasn't practiced in two weeks, and two, the fact that he's been treated without surgery, together imply a moderate severity injury. Unfortunately, there is a performance dip with these ones. It can linger even three to four weeks beyond that return timeline that we mentioned. So Michael Thomas may be dealing with this for a little while. Next is Alvin Kamara. Now the Sportsman Analytics project Kamara back to his baseline as far as per play production and usage rate. And that's great news for owners, obviously. But a hit to the affected area could aggravate this issue, which may be why he missed last week. Usually what we see here is a rapidly improving trajectory with these rib injuries, and you can look no further than Justin Herbert, week three versus week four, his stat line for reference on how these things recover. Alvin Kamara may be a DFS value right now. Next, Jonathan Taylor, not really surprising that he missed the Thursday night game given that they had a short week. These mild ankle sprains do average one missed game, so we lean towards him playing week six. Her play production, not generally hugely affected, but the thing is that historical data suggests his backups are likely to get increased touches and he's likely to get decreased usage as a result of the injury. Kyle Pitts. Now he's probably got a mild hamstring strain. These average two to three weeks. We'd lean towards the lower end of that range for Pitts based on one, his young age and two, the comments from the Falcons. Production impact is relatively low. 
as players return to about 90% of their previous levels when they come back, but they do carry about a 20% re-injury risk for that first few weeks back. Next is Mac Jones. He had a severe high ankle sprain. These average four to six weeks for position players. Quarterbacks can hustle back in a two to four. Expect Jones out week five, possible return in week six. Data still indicates the most likely return date is week seven here. J.K. Dobbins. He got about 50% snap rate last week. That's definitely progress for Dobbins, and we do like to see that he's returned to full practices afterwards. It indicates there's no real setback. Now, the typical ramp up in workload takes four weeks for running backs coming off of multi-ligament knee surgery. So we're expecting those training wheels to come off around week seven. Dobbins himself should look progressively more explosive, even going up to about week 10. Next, Amon Ross St. Brown, a true game time decision this week. We'd slightly lean towards him sitting. Now, if he plays, we'd expect less than his typical production. Ankles don't tend to affect wide receivers on a per play basis but data suggests they see fewer snaps and targets when dealing with sprains that knocked them out of practice for almost two full weeks. Next, DeAndre Swift. He's out this week, but luckily that's not a setback. He has very likely an AC joint sprain in his shoulder. Those average two to four missed games, but luckily they don't cause much performance impact when running backs return. Expecting him back near full strength around week seven. Next, Bengals wide receiver T Higgins very likely playing wide receivers usually play through ankle sprains without much of a noticeable performance impact the key is the re-injury risk is kind of real and that's probably why we haven't seen a whole lot of production out of gabe davis davis recently but the short-term impact for higgins if he avoids a re-injury shouldn't be too high next we have rashad bateman likely out this week midfoot sprains average two to three weeks for wide receivers Luckily, when they do return, not much performance dip is expected, so we'll hope to see Bateman return to limited practice next week, though there's potential for this to linger about a week beyond that. Next, Marquise Brown. Now, Kyler Murray's been struggling a little bit, but it does look like Marquise Brown is finally past this foot injury. He has logged a full practice to close out the week. We consider him a full go, no noticeable performance impact going into this, this weekend. Next is Michael Gallup. Now his snap count was relatively high actually, considering that he's only eight months out from ACL surgery and he logged about two thirds of his team's snaps. But his performance was pretty much in line with what we project based on the analytics. We should expect a progressively more solid player as the season goes on, but his 90% explosiveness mark isn't projected to arrive until late November, or early December. So in the meantime, we'd expect him to produce like a skilled player with good role, but significant explosiveness limitations for the moment. Next up is his teammate Dalton Schultz. He's back on the field without practice limitations, but data projects another two to four weeks of limited production before the knee feels good enough to play like his pre-injury self. Cowboys fans, unfortunately, are all too familiar with PCL injuries from Zeke Elliott last year. You saw, if you notice, a temporary dip in his performance and then his usage rate and his per play efficiency did climb back up so we're expecting similar outcomes from schultz dak prescott now the average quarterback return timeline takes five to six weeks it wouldn't be crazy unreasonable to see dak on the field with some mild limitations next week the most common outcome would still be week seven but given the cowboys culture and their historically they are pretty aggressive about returning players on the early side 
Now, grip strength and with that full return to pre-injury performance generally recovers in about eight weeks. So we'd expect Dak Prescott to look like his full strength self after their week nine bye. Next up, Chris Godwin. Godwin's usage rate should remain high despite the scare he had during last week's game. By early to mid-November, the Sportsman Analytics project Godwin to look like a top 15 to 20 wide receiver production. Again, remember, he had that ACL, then he had that setback when he came back week one with a hamstring. We're looking at Godwin as a promising buy-low candidate for any owners who are not following this podcast. Next up, Brian Robinson. Looks like he's like looks like he's ready to make his debut only about five weeks after getting shot. And just as a human, we do love to see this. Luckily, it does sound like the areas he got hit were mostly large muscle groups like the glute, the thigh, and those areas recover quickly because they have good blood supply. Because they're big, the overall strength and explosiveness impact should be relatively mild. Expect Robinson to look like 85 to 90% of his pre-injury self, although we don't really know how the commanders plan to actually utilize him. Next is his teammate Jahan Dotson, promising start to his rookie campaign, but a moderate hamstring strain has kept him out of practice this week. Average timeline takes wide receivers three weeks. The most common outcome would be a return in week seven, but there is a, an outside chance he could beat that by about a game. Wide receivers tend to return at about 90% of their prior explosiveness without much lag in productivity. But then our next guy, Keenan Allen, is the cautionary tale on wide receiver hamstrings. And that's because he re-aggravated a prior hamstring strain late last week. Now, this is bad news, as it usually means about four weeks, sometimes up to six, of recovery. We would look for Allen to return to practice, leading up to about week seven or eight. Performance impacts generally would linger about two weeks after that, and the re-injury risk for the rest of the season is still going to be relatively high. But he's potentially a buy-low candidate if you have the patience and slight risk tolerance to just stash him until week 10 to 12. Next, David Montgomery. He's a true game time decision. We'd avoid starting Montgomery either way in season long or DFS formats. For one, the Bears have Khalil Herbert, who looks pretty good. Justin Fields may get some of that running touches as well. They haven't given us a lot of information about his actual diagnosis to work with, but the fact that they initially listed both knee and ankle potentially suggests a high ankle sprain. And even when mild, these do tend to average about two weeks for running backs. Montgomery is about a week and a half in. As a result, if he plays, we'd expect per play production and total usage rate to both take a temporary hit. Next is Hayden Hurst, Titan, tight end for the Bengals. He could still go either way. We would lean towards him playing. The analytics on him report a 10% performance dip and a 20% re-injury risk. And then next up, Gerald Everett. Now he is very likely to play despite his hamstring issue. Very minimal performance impact is really expected here. So the overall good news for Justin Herbert. Any more questions, do not hesitate to ask and hit us up on Twitter at SportMD Analysis, Instagram at SportsMed Analytics for more content and real-time updates. Until the meantime, until the next time, Deepak Shona signing off. Right on, man. That guy's fantastic. He's got tons, tons of knowledge in his algorithm. You, you fucker, we missed you last week, bro. Yeah, do your job. Jeez. <laughs> I guess, I guess, I guess, I guess we get what we pay for.
God, God forbid <laughs> that you have family time and vacation scheduled. No. Absolutely terrible. Think of us. We're not family. <laughs> How are thought, we not family? Dude, I thought it was your doorbell ringing and it's my doorbell ringing. Oh, you got DoorDash coming? Yeah, give me a second. I'm going to go check real quick. All right. You fill the time for like 22 seconds. Boop, 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 boop. very well trained to not open the door and if you know like we just don't like them going up to the door and peeking in especially when we go out or we do something but it was it was the wifey coming home so you're gonna hear a lot of hi puppies hi puppies hi puppies and then she'll just watch. She just. I love when she walks up to you and she goes, "Oh, are you doing your podcast?" No, I like to sit in front of my computer, speaking into my microphone on off days. <laughs> <laughs> that happens to me all the time. I'll be sitting here, and you know how my house is, right? And the kids will just watch. Oh, are you doing the? No, I'm. I'm speaking to myself in front of an open laptop. Yeah, I'm just. I'm shaving my balls in front of a laptop in front of a your, guy. Your your dad has finally snapped. Listen, <laughs> I have a game. I'm so excited. Explicit. This is an explicit game. So listen, folks, you got your kids around or something like that. I want you to, this is whoop, turn it off. This gets explicit. This gets explicit. Te this is terrible. <laughs> this is FBI looking at your browser history explicit. This is the FBI will be looking at my browser history and wondering what the fuck is with this guy. Okay. <laughs> so... I, I have to, okay, let's see here. Da, 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 da. I love that song. Okay, so this game is called Exotic Dessert, a Drink, or a Sex Act. Explicit. Okay, exotic dessert, drink, or sex act. Yeah, like you, you ever heard of that? You ever heard of that uh, drink, uh, uh, sex on the beach? Sure. Right, where you go in and you say, "Hey, can I get a couple of blowjobs?" And they they give you the shots with the whipped cream on them. Sure, sure, right? sure, sure. Just like that, buddy. Just any like that. any sex drinks like that are absolute hangovers because it's all sugar. Let me let me start you off with a couple of softball ones. Okay, you always get, say that. That way, okay. The black slippery nipple. So slippery nipple is definitely a butterscotch shot. It is a drink. Perfect. Perfect. Perfect, buddy. Why okay. is it black, though? What did they put in it? Oh, uh, black uh, Sambuca black licorice. Oh, Lord. That, that's, that, that's like Jaeger. That's like fighting. Exactly. Okay. So you get what I'm... Okay. How about, how about the Kentucky Klondike bar? That's a sex act. Exactly. Right. We, we covered this one in previous episodes. Okay? That's that's where you freeze a bowel movement and then, you know, use it as a dildo on your partner. Exactly. Yeah. Who doesn't? Well, obviously. OK, <laughs> here we go. You ready? Yeah. I got my pen. I can hear the click. OK, there it is. OK, beauty. OK, so we did this one. That one's gone. OK. And the Kentucky Klondike Bar. Those are off the list. Here we go, buddy. The Pandamania Petting Zoo. Pandamania Petting Zoo. 
I'm just gonna have to say sex act because I that's a sex act, buddy. That what? is. It's when you uh, force one partner to pick out the nuts and corn out of your bowel movement, and then they put it in a dish, and then you throw all of that onto the bed and make them eat it like a goat or a typical like petting. A, yeah, it's like a scavenger hunt. Cool. Or, or as we call it at our house, Sunday night. Oh my God, Sunday night, the Panamanian petting zoo. Here we go, slutty brownie. <laughs> That's a dessert. Yes, it is. All right. You got you're good at this, buddy. You're good at this. Okay. Wait, what why is it slutty? What do you, what does the brownie have on top of it? Who knows? It's just lots of chocolate. Uh it's got white cream on top of it. It's chocolate and chocolate and chocolate. It's 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 every diabetic stream. Fantastic. Okay. Perfect. Okay. The orange dirty Shirley. Because of the flavor, I'm gonna say it's a drink. Absolutely. It's a drink. Very good, buddy. Very good. Okay. That I'm actually doing well at this. The Alabama Hot Pocket. Oh, that's, dude, sex act. Absolutely. That's a sex act. That's when you poop in her vagina. How do you like that one? Wow. Sounds unsanitary. This is just crazy. The Flying Camel. The Flying Camel. Not a dessert. It is going to be a sex act. Absolutely, it's a sex act. Very good, buddy. That's um, so she's lying on her back and you're on your knees, okay? And then you carefully move yourself forward, prop yourself up without your arms on your penis while still inside. And then you proceed to flap your arms and le let out a long shrieking howl, much like a flying camel. It's a, it's a strictly a, a class move. <laughs> Acrobatic. Yeah, yeah, oh. oh. I'm telling you. Okay. The <laughs> sex on a snowbank. Sex on a snowbank is going to be a drink. Wow, you are fucking good at this, man. Sex in a pan. Sex in a pan is going to be a dessert because you said pan. Cold lunch. Cold lunch has to be a sex act. Absolutely, it is. It's the simple act of forcing yourself to throw up into another person's mouth. Sweet baby Jesus. That's exactly it. Yeah. 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 Terrible. Let's, oh let's, goodness. hey, let's use it in a sentence. No, vomit is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to sit here and come up with a valid sentence for the purposes of illustrating cold lunch. Okay. I did ask people to drop pickup lines for this weekend. You could say, hey, can I take you out for a cold lunch? Okay. Char, chard, chardonizing. 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 Wait, wait, wait. I might not be saying it right. C H C H A R I Z A R D I N G. Chardizing. Chardizarding. Char, charizarding. Ha <laughs> It doesn't count if you can't say it, Matt. Hey, I have a 33% <laughs> chance on this one because I have no clue, but I'm it's not a dessert because it's ING, so it's a sex act. Yes, it is. It's when you light a girl's pubes on fire and put it out with your jizz and flap your arms to say, You don't have enough badges to train me. <laughs> what? Dude, I'm telling you with these sex acts, it's the fact that they have a name to stuff that people have actually tried, and then they're like, right? oh, people have tried this, let's name it. 
the Kenneport Kennebunkport surprise. Kennebunkport surprise. Ooh, that's okay. That one's confusing. I'm going to go with sex act. Absolutely, it is. Wow. Secretly sneaking, the male fills his mouth to near bursting with clam chowder, and then while going down on a woman, he punches both of his cheeks, blowing the clam chowder. The flying fuck. <laughs> and a book, book, surprise! Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> the chocolate buttery nipple. Well, that's, again, buttery nipple, butterscotch, that's a drink. Sex in the woods. Sex in the woods is a drink. Land shark. That's a beer. Uh, no, it's a sex act. What? Land shark this is, is a beer. Well, this one's a sex act for all intensive entertainment purposes here. This is when the woman braces herself against a wall, naked, hands against the wall, legs spread, bent over. Okay. Mm -hmm. Next, the next the guy, stiff, walks from the opposing end of the room, places his palm together, raises them above his head, imitating a dorsal fin of a shark, and begins chanting the theme to Jaws. <laughs> it's almost like pin the, tail, but it's pin the, pin the penis in the asshole. <laughs> Uh, that's the new name of it, actually. They should call it that. Yes. That's actually... Okay. I've missed okay. one, but Landshark is a beer. Okay. And last but not least, the Ball Koozie. A shot? A drink? No, it's a sex act, buddy. That's when you put your nuts in a warm bowl of water, you give your girlfriend a straw, and she blows bubbles. <laughs> Brought to you by Manscaped. <laughs> <laughs> that way those bubbles don't turn into hairy like imagine slurping up oh, oh, oh. you're not supposed to drink you're just supposed to blow the bubbles well, <laughs> you're preparing the drink it's like carbonated oh. ball water i gotta give it to you man you you are definitely up on your sex acts you you got almost all of them there i, just I think you only it. got two wrong and i'm telling you land shark is dun, dun, dun. you're gonna try it out tonight aren't you i am <laughs> Just when you thought it was safe to go back into the bedroom. <laughs> Terrible so stuff, fun. right? They yeah. are, man. They are. I think the Batman and the Riddler need to make an appearance here coming up here pretty quick, buddy. Uh, they might. They might. They might. I was thinking about Otto. So Blado. Yeah. <laughs> Bart dude. Yeah. <laughs> We were, uh, Carmina's actually gone through every single episode of The Simpsons now, all oh 30 seasons, and caught up to the new one. So now oh. the new season is on there. So she's binging that. We're like, okay. And we were talking about kind of shows that we wanted to watch as a family that we enjoyed in the past. And I was like, you know what? Carmina's probably going to like that 70s show. Have you seen it? Yeah, you know, I went back to rewatch the 70s show because I thought, you know, this would be a great one to binge for maybe the weekend or something, throw it on. A lot of the times when I watch those little comedy shows like that, like Modern Family, we've probably had Modern Family go through. Still watching oh, it. It's gone through the loop a couple of times. But, you know, you got it on the TV and you're doing the dishes and you're doing the laundry and you're doing this and that. You come back, you watch it for 20 minutes and then, oh, well, I got to do this. You got to do that. So... I think in its entirety, I've probably only seen every single episode once, even mm -hmm. though it's probably gone through the loop four or five times, right? I've probably seen three or four different episodes sure. nine, nine times, right? Yeah. But uh, I put on the 70s show, and by episode two, I was like, I can't watch this. Really? 
I enjoy it, I dude. It, it's a little bit annoying. I, I just, as you get into why it. Didn't Do- why didn't Eric just start just immediately? This is my problem. Donna? If I was, if I was Eric, I would have I, I just been, I would have chased Donna around the block on all fours, howling like a dog. That's what I would have done. And the whole time he's like, oh, I don't know if she likes me. It's uh, come on, dude. Come on. Come on. Go for it. Go for it. What's the worst that happens? You have six more seasons of him and her just knocking them out. Like, come on. That was always my MO was always uh, go to a table. Ooh, that girl's pretty. You want to dance? Nope. Look at her friend. She's good looking too. want to dance. Nope. Look over next one over. Want to dance? Eventually one of them is going to say yes. And then even if you get the one on the end of the table, you dance with her, she brings you back to the table and then they find out how nice of a guy you are. And then you just kind of move your way up the ladder to the original one that you were looking after. Yeah, no. (laughs) You, you put out, you put out a question the other day. What was it? What is your best pickup lines? Mm -hmm. And, and, there was some of the best. What was the best one that you got on there? What was the best one that was sent to you? There was some on there that were freaking hilarious. And some of them were just terrible. Some of them were like, you should be single for the rest of your days. Dude, it's like the rest of your days. And, and if and if I found out that you came up to my daughter and you said something like this, I would bust out oh. your teeth. I would I would rip off one of your arms and beat you with the gooey oh. end. That's what I would do. Dude, yeah, there's some really bad Don't, ones in here. Let me pull it up real quick. Uh, do you want to know? Do you want to know? Here, here's a true story. Well, Bruce is freaking this up, okay? So uh, I, I met my wife at uh, the zoo. Not, you know, where the animals are. It's a bar that uh, was in uh, the city. I worked there. She worked there. It was like a biker bar. It was rough and tumble, heavy metal biker bar. And she was working behind the counter doing a cover charge that day. And I was bouncing of all things that day, right? I was basically just trying to be quiet in the corner is what I was trying to do for seven and a half hours. Right? <laughs> like, hopefully nobody notices I'm over here, <laughs> right? Anyway, I'm watching guy after guy after guy walk up and flirt and she's like, beat it, get out of here, right? And I'm like, I've got to say something. What am I going to do? Yep. I decided, I decided because women say this all the time and you know, women, women are basically, after I found this out, women are basically just, damn liars because i walked up and i was just honest i said hi my name is matt and i put my hand out and she looked me from the ground to my hat and went (laughs) and turned her head and i i swear to god completely and utterly destroyed any and all ego i had all self-esteem everything just completely crumbled like you ever see the movies where the guy turns into pixels and he just falls into the for sure yeah. It was like it was like the Avengers when everybody starts turning to dust. It was exactly like that. I turn around, I walk away. It was like weeks later before I ever spoke to her again. And the whole time she was like, "Why, why, you know, when I walk in the room, do you leave the room?" And I was like, <laughs> "This is." I even told that at our wedding when we were doing the speeches and stuff. I was like, "Yeah, for a girl that completely obliterated me in the first four seconds, right?" So what are you? What were the pickup lines? All right, buddy. So. Some of them are really bad and just, yeah, yeah. you know, like all of her clothes off, of course, goose, here you go. Uh, excuse me, miss. Do you mind if I push in your stool? That's terrible. That's terrible. Phil uh, chimes in with, if you were a vegetable, you'd be my cute cumber. Oh. And then Carla has to chime and says, you know, I'd slap you because knowing that a cucumber is actually a fruit. 
Oh. It's like tomatoes. It's true. If it has seeds, it's but. And of course, you come in with tickle your ass with a feather. Well, that's an old joke. I pulled. Out. <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I looked over at my wife and I was like, "Tickle your ass with a feather." She's like, "What?" Typically nasty weather we have outside, right, babe? She's like, "What the fuck does that mean?" <laughs> It's a conversation starter. The best part about that joke is the drunk guy afterwards, right? Shove a quill up your ass. Fuck, it's cold out. (laughs) Okay, Jeff Cars is, uh, can I buy you a house? (laughs) That's a good one. That's a a good one. Mark that down. That's a good one. All right. Caribou cheese head goes with, want to go fuck you may get a lot of no's but there's one that says yes and is totally worth all the rejection so you just goes yeah up, but go fuck? Let me, if, if somebody says yes to that she's probably said yes to that before a bunch of times and you yeah. may want to get yourself checked out yeah you it's have not supposed to drip so much yeah, i'm just saying <laughs> and of course alex comes comes in with the typical uh who farted <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that doesn't work. No, that that doesn't work. You know what? A buddy of mine one time said this to a girl, and I was about to just smack him out. Seriously, I was about to just smack him out. And you know what he says to her? She was she was kind of like flat flat chested, mm-hmm. right? And he walk and and she comes walking by, and he goes, "Excuse me." He goes, "Are you wearing a bra?" And she goes, "Yeah." And he goes, "Let me ask you a question. Would you wear pants if you had no legs?" I, I straight up was going to punch him square in the mouth. Like I was like, you can't. They've been together 23 years. Well, to each his own. Like what? As soon as we heard that, like, I remember the girl I was dating at the time was like, Oh my God. She was just, she turned ghost white. Like, I can't believe somebody just said that something like that, you know, in front of me, of course, the shock value. I cocked my hand back because I was about to knock him cold. And she said, that's funny. And give him a little kiss on the cheek. 23 years. Wow. All right. TJ, TJ in the reg. Can I buy you a drink or would you just rather have my money? <laughs> money. <laughs> Somebody responded, that's what got Herschel Walker in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that's Vegeta uh. Black and the people. That's hilarious, man. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, Big Lar, 63. Uh, I'm horny. Are you? <laughs> that's it. That's not terrible. That's gonna work. It's not going to work. Uh, where can we hook up? By memo? Uh, oh, God. Dob's hands went completely fucking corny. Did it hurt when you fell from heaven? You really didn't use that, did you, Dobbs? Come on. Why? Dobbs. Why? Because she's a dead body? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, because she's an angel. <laughs> one of my favorite follows on Twitter, which is fucking hilarious. You've got Aaron Podgers, who is yeah, a yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Would you like to try my lipstick? Because <laughs> he's supposed to be a dog. And it looks like the little lipstick. Yeah. <laughs> like the red crayon, but it's a lipstick. That. that one wins for me, by the way. Yeah. That was the best. Woof. <laughs> okay, Frank came up with a good one. Frank Ramirez has, they call me milk because I'll do your body good. Oh, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and last but not least, Mr. Todd Andrews comes in with, hi, I'm not Antonio Brown. 
Yeah, that might work. <laughs> <laughs> that one might work. Mark that uh, down. Thank you guys. Hi. It's a lot of fun. I'm going to keep putting out little questions and Matt always does this. And maybe we'll start getting you guys on here with that type of stuff. Cause you guys are a funny bunch of fucking people out there. Yeah. But looks aren't everything. That's right. Episode one, seven, three. 174. 173? 174. What is it? It's it's 170 something. I'll tell you that. I know that much. Yeah. I know that much. It's been over a year. It it uh it's been you a little while. A couple of months. <laughs> it's been a little while. Episode 173. That's what we just finished. 173. And we've got about Saturdays. 10 Patreon right now. And we just yep. dropped, you know, we'll be dropping our Patreons the episode the night before. Uh, we're going to be recording because our lives are now officially fully busy. So we'll be dropping. Well, my, not mine, but. No, <laughs> pretty fucking busy, buddy. But yeah, a lot yeah. of fun. So early release for Patreon uh, the night before. Uh, don't forget, you got any questions for us? Mailbag Monday. You can send them to us at Packers Without Borders at Outlook.com. Find us on Twitter at Borders Packers. Find us on Instagram, Packers Without Borders and Packers Without Borders merch. Facebook, Packers Without Borders. Go get those t-shirts at Packers Without Borders at myshopify.com. And thank you guys all so much for ordering shirts. We had a nice hodgepodge of shirts. There was a couple Randall Cobbs, a couple Alan Lazards, a lot of Rashawn Gary, a lot of Showtime. Not a lot of Aaron Rodgers flying off. It's The girls are liking Rashawn Gary. We got some Jair out, but uh, Rashawn Gary and the coach are, are leading the way for the ladies. And then obviously... The, the ham himself, Mr. David Bakhtiari, congratulations on the boy, on the baby girl, whatever it is that you're having, man. You're probably a girl dad. I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen to you. We'll see what happens. But uh, congratulations to you, man. But uh, patreon.com front slash Packers Without Borders. Thank you guys so much for the support. We really are starting to, we're at about 10% of our initial investment that we've made up <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> Beauty, peace, go Pack, go. This has been Packers Without Borders. Try and be kind to one another. Try and love each other. And go Pack Go! Esto ha sido Empacadores Sin Fronteras. No se les olvide cuidarnos unos a los otros. Hasta luego. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. Outside interference here. Yeah. I'm living in a nightmare. But the cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. I am the cream. Yeah, let me say it to you. Let me say it out loud. The cream of the crop. I am the cream. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop. I'm on my way. On balance, off balance, doesn't matter. Nobody does it.